Hi, dear listener. Zach here. I'm proud of the work we did on Call of Discovery and Keyforge Public Radio, and last year I took my love of podcasts full-time with my company, Rooster High Productions. If you know someone with a business who wants to broadcast their expertise through podcasts and derived social media marketing, send them my way to Zach at RoosterHigh.com. Thank you so much. Welcome to Call of Discovery, the podcast where we invite you to join us for a weekly or fortnightly celebration of all things Keyforge, its community, and the excitement of Discovery. I'm your host, Ed Pocock, and today I'm joined by fellow Archon and Voltor runner-up, Finn Cornish. Finn, welcome back to the pod for our second episode together. Thank you very much for having me, Ed. For those of you who are listening for the first time, Every two episodes, we'll be introducing a different member from the Keyforge community. In our last episode, we got to know Finn, and we talked a bit about how you can improve your sealed play. So if you missed this, please do go back and check it out. Today, we're going to be talking about Finn's most unique deck. Keyforge, at its heart, is a unique deck game, whether it be for an eclectic combo, an exciting strategy, or just a really great name. Everyone has a deck that feels truly unique to them. Finn today is going to share with us his most unique deck. For our listeners, you can find a link to the deck in the show notes. This will take you to decks of Keyforge where you can join us in discovering the deck as we discuss it. For those of you unfamiliar with decks of Keyforge, this is pretty much a guide to you of the deck, all the features it has with different rating systems, and you can see the cards as we talk about them. So without further ado, let's dive in. Today we're going to look at Stromebuilder, the trader of reality. Again, Brad Andre is really trolling us with these hard to pronounce deck names here. So we have a Logos, Mars and Untamed lineup. And um, I think this is looking like a really cracking deck, Finn. Why is this your most unique deck? So it's the house combination kind of play, I guess what I like to call house cheats um, where you are effectively playing cards from a different house whilst you're playing another house. For example, you could be playing Logos and you drop a helper bot and now suddenly you're playing Mars. Um, And this deck has four cards which allow you to do that. Um, On top of this, it also has key cheats, which if you're unfamiliar are cards which allow you to forge your key outside of your key forging step at the beginning of your turn. Um, So this allows you to just pull off crazy plays where you're playing all three houses, you're forging two keys a turn, and your opponent just has no idea what's going on. Um, And I love being able to set up those high-stakes play, Um, kind of being able to ramp up to a kind of insane play that no one kind of saw coming and and is, is something that kind of is only really available in Keyforge because of that discovery aspect, kind of... You could be playing a sealed game and suddenly you've just pulled off something crazy that you didn't even know you could do within your own deck. Um, and that's what this this 
deck allowed me to do. It really comes across to me that this is a deck of grand schemes. And schemes that make themselves available in different ways in different games. It seems you have the ingredients for many, many different crazy turns going on with using those house cheats and and those key cheats all, all in one deck. So tell us, how did you come across this deck? So I was playing uh, in a sealed tournament and obviously pulled this deck, which is awesome because I was able to immediately analyze the deck, see those different cards that were allowed, that were going to give me the opportunity to kind of house cheat and key cheat and pull out some really cool plays that I think were going to kind of just blow my opponent out of the water. Um, and ultimately did. I ended up going three and one, where the first three games were kind of just absolutely like just stomped my opponent effectively and kind of really showed the power of this deck immediately you know i didn't have to spend hours and hours and hours playing through this deck to try and find the key component of it it really just shone immediately for me which i really liked that was good fun and we spoke a bit in our last episode about that sealed play and how to analyze your deck when you first open it so I think for those of you that have listened to this, hopefully looking at this deck is going to be another example of, Finn, how you look at a deck when you open it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was I was able to, as I said, analyse kind of those different combos, different key features of this deck, which allow me to utilise it like to, to the best of its ability effectively, um, which is a skill which I think you know, every Keyforge player should be striving to be able to do. Um, you know, being able to sit there and look at just just looking at the the cards alone and being able to understand what they can kind of do for one another, how they can benefit each other, and the really cool combos that you can pull off using them. And for the newer listeners among us, the best way of getting to that stage is just by playing. Don't worry about overanalyzing a deck when you first open it. If you're a newer player, just play it and enjoy discovering those different combos because even if you've played a deck 10 times, 15 times against different decks, you're probably still discovering new things. Let's talk about potentially the most potent combo in this deck and that is the deck that's commonly known as a Brig a brig combo. For those who are, are unaware, is a combination of Logos cards comprising of Binate Rupture and interdimensional graft. So Binate Rupture is a common Logos card. It's an action card. It's an alpha card, which is the uh, keyword in Age of Ascension, which means it has to be the first thing you do in that turn. And it has a playability. It says, every player gains amber equal to the amber in their pool. So this can cause absolute madness. And there are going to be times where you sit there and you think, I am not using this. No, someone couldn't pay me to use this when your opponent yeah. is about to forge. So there, there are sometimes, Finn, I'm sure you've had where this one's just filling up your hand and, and you don't really want it there. But with interdimensional graft, this is another Logos a- uh, action card. It gives you an amber pip as well. And it says, play if your opponent forges a key on their next turn, they must give you their remaining amber which means comprise, comprising those two, you can set it up with a, a binate rupture so your opponent has double their amber. Maybe they've had a huge amber turn. They're using one of those untamed rush decks, so they're gaining 10 amber in a turn. You double it to 20, and then you force it so that they give you the remainder of their amber the following turn after they've forged a key. Obviously, there are times that you're probably not going to want to be using this combo when they forge their final key and win the game. But generally, this is 
quite a versatile combo to use. And for listeners as well, maybe go over your decks because this one might be sitting there and it might it might be there unawares. These are Binate Rupture is a common card and Interdimensional Graft is only an uncommon card. So you'll be seeing this quite frequently in your decks. Finn, what does this do for you in this deck overall? Yeah, so absolutely. As you said, Binate Rupture can be kind of a, a bit of a risky play. And this deck has two of them, which means that a lot of the time you're at least discarding one a game, um, which doesn't really feel that too bad because you're not really losing out on anything, assuming that had you played it, you would have been giving your opponent a, a bigger advantage um, or even winning the game, as you said. Um, with this deck, however, it works best as a form of amber control. As you said, if you're playing against a deck who is going to rush you down and win in five turns, this deck, or these set of cards really, allow you to combat that very easily um, and will kind of give you the, the leg up to be on equal playing field with them. Suddenly, they've got one key and now you've got one key because of just two cards in your deck, which is obviously incredibly efficient as well. Um, of course, there's a one downside there that to play this combo, you need to call Logos as your active house two turns in a row. Logos generally being, I suppose, a house that doesn't necessarily want to be called as your main house. Well, interesting with this deck, it's almost the opposite. In my opinion, you want to be playing Logos as much as possible. And that's due to two cards, really. There's, there's a card called uh, Professor Sutterskin, which is a two-power Logos creature. Um, and has the reap ability to draw a card for each Logos, each friendly Logos creature. Word for word. <laughs> um, and I have two of those, as well as a upgrade called Rocket Boots, which allows you to gain a reap ability to, once you reap, it allows you to reap again. Or, it, or if you fight, you can fight again as well. But obviously with Sutter Skin, reaping is really what you want to be doing. So Rocket Boots there is an upgrade and a really versatile yep. one. Um, do you find yourself using that in different ways depending on the game state with this deck? Uh, interestingly, with in this deck, almost never really because um, those Sutter Skins are so vital to this deck outperforming another deck. Um, you can effectively reap for... Well, not reap, sorry, but draw potentially 10 cards in a turn which is just an insane amount. Um, and if they keep, if they allow that Sutter Skin to stay on the board with Rocket Boots and you have another Sutter Skin out, you're able to draw basically your entire deck, um, which then leads into all these extra combos that you can do. Um, and along with the card Helper Bot, you want to keep playing Logos so you can then thin out your deck by playing other creatures from other houses or other cards from other houses using, Lo uh, using Helper Bot itself. And I think the pertinent question on a lot of our listeners' minds at the moment is going to be, how do you prevent these things from dying to board wipes? And uh, from, for, or just staying on the board? I mean, forget board wipes. Board wipes, we know, are, aren't as potent in Age of Ascension as they were in the first set called the Archons. So how do you keep these on the board? And I, I'm looking at your deck right now, and I see the answer to that lies in your Mars lineup. Yeah, uh, with three Yixix Dominators, and uh, for our listeners, that is the nine-power Mars creature. It is a robot, and it has one armor. It enters play stunned, but it has taunt. 
so it is able to keep these crucial creatures behind behind it and safe uh, from from some of the uh, some of the nasty creatures your, your opponent might have in play. Yeah, absolutely. Those three dominators are key to this deck working. Um, and on top of that, you also have two pit pips in Logos, which will stun any enemy creature that decides to reap. Um, ultimately, you can disable their either disable their board through stuns or simply just prevent the damage with your dominators. Um, on top of this, you have the option to play a combo in Untamed, which is the card there everywhere, and a card called Save the Pack. And there everywhere will gain you an amber and deal two damage to each flank enemy creature and one damage to each non-flank enemy creature. At which point you can then play Save the Pack, which will destroy all damaged creatures and gain you, I believe, one chain. This is an excellent board wipe, as it just targets enemy creatures for the damage. You won't damage your own creatures. Obviously, if you have pre-damaged creatures, you could harm yourself. But for the most time, you know, you're, you're looking to just wipe their board and keep your board safe. And you can do that for, you know, with the Dominators, with the potential board wipe and the Pip Pips, you're able to keep a board for hopefully most of the game, really. I also want to dive into, at this point, one Mars card in particular, and that is Exterminate, Exterminate, which is an action card, has a playability for each friendly Mars creature you control, destroy a non-Mars creature with a lower power. And for many decks with a lot of lower-powered Mars creatures, this one might kind of go under the radar. But when you've got three Dominators, I'm sure it has a much bigger impact. Yeah, this card is, again, another perfect way to disable your opponent's board. Um, you're able to almost destroy any creature your opponent's going to throw at you, no matter how big it is. Um, and it works perfectly against Sanctum creatures, is where I find it the most effective. You know, you could have Obeyed the Grim, who's capturing your three of your amber and is quite a powerful creature in itself, and suddenly it's just gone. You just blow it up with Exterminate, Exterminate, um, along with potentially two other creatures. And my other Mars creatures are still relatively strong with four powers or three power. Um, so you're able to almost decimate an entire board as long as your opponent isn't playing Mars, um, which is a uh, scenario which I walked into myself and ended up playing Exterminate, Exterminate, not killing any of their board because oh, they no. only had Mars creatures, um, which is obviously a massive oversight on my play. But it's the sort of play that you, you learn things from. Uh... Absolutely, and that's how you get better as a Keyforge player. You, you play these cards that you haven't seen before, you suddenly realise what they truly do, and it doesn't only allow you to understand your mistake and how to get better from it, but it also shows you how to play it in, a, you know, in the future, how to play it properly, how to play it in a really effective way. And then when you are you're playing another sealed tournament and you pull that card, you know exactly how to use it, you know exactly where it's going to not be useful, where it's going to go wrong, etc., and I think for our newer listeners as well, if you watch a Voltor final even, it's very rare that both players are consistently able to maintain their board state through the entire game. Because in Keyforge, in particular in Age of Ascension, there's so much going on at any one time that there's there's a lot to think about and, and things do fall by the wayside. So um, 
I think for 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 any player, no matter no matter whether you're the newest or the most experienced, you know, people have got to give themselves some space with this to to make mistakes. I think one great Easter egg on exterminate exterminate. I don't know if you've noticed this, Finn, is uh, the the artwork, and so it's got it's got a ton of cheeky Martians that have. Uh, that have uh, crashed landed through uh, through a room from from the ceiling and uh, they are they are going through it with with intent let's say um, they've got some poor human head down on a desk and they're they're holding its head down with a sink plunger I think that this might be referring to uh, to our, our classic BBC uh, sci-fi show Doctor Who only Brad can tell us did you come uh, across this film uh, yeah I absolutely love the art all the art in this game but in particular Mars they always seem to like perfectly capture a balance between you know almost terrifyingly comedic in a way where you know I wouldn't want to fight any of these Mars creatures but at the same time they seem to be a a little bit wacky which just fits perfectly with the theme of the world I love that everything just kind of doesn't make any sense but it also Kind of does does make sense. Yeah, (laughs) it's all very familiar. It's all very familiar at the same time, being completely wacky and crazy. Well, we got the Dominator, which is essentially a War War of the World style character. I'll say style character just so that FFG don't get into copyright issues with this one. Um, And uh, then we've got the uh, the key abduction card. And key abduction, for those of you that don't know, moves us quite well into our our key cheating conversation here and that's a a mars action card it gives you an amber pip as well just in case you didn't need it and it's a playability it says return each mars creature to its owner's hand then you may forge a key at plus nine its current cost reduced by one for each card in your hand this was a card that was also in call of the archons and the artwork here features a tractor in a tractor beam so absolutely loving this on the pun side of this this is proper british humor and uh, really really appreciating this how effective is key abduction in this deck for you finn i see you've got what is it eight mars creatures and so I, I imagine that drawing those back into your hand and then having that nine there available might be possible is that the case have you ever pulled this off Absolutely. And in fact, this is one of the key cards to making this deck work. Um, as I previously said with the Professor Sutterskin Rocket Boots combo, you're able to draw a massive amount of cards into your hand. That, as well as Total Recall, as you said, with eight creatures, you can you can easily forge a key for free in this deck. That's a possibility. But even when you're, they're able to keep Sutterskins off the board, you're not able to draw the cards you need. When you can play your when you have that strong mars board you can reap for you know potentially up to eight amber total rule call puts you to nine amber and puts eight cards into your hand and if you already have the six on top of that you're easily forging a key for six amber which is you know it's not going to cost you any more you're you're just forging a key without having to wait another turn which is perfect especially if you want to rush for that win um and this again goes perfectly with Helperbot. And a really, really effective combo is to have your Sutterskin Rocket Boots out, reap with that to draw however many cards you're available to draw, play Helperbot, which will total recall. That's insane. Uh, and then you play Helperbot <laughs> to play total recall, which will obviously put everything back into your hand, and you've now just got a, a huge hand. 
Um, and that can all be done in one turn, which is awesome. And like, which is why this deck is so much fun. And uh, what kind of face do you generally get from your opponent when, uh, when you have such a game-changing turn? It's normally just like, they, they know what just happened, but they don't really want to believe it. Finn's done it again. Um, so, so I spy also, we haven't talked much about your Untamed lineup yet, and I yeah. spy a Mimicry card in this. And uh, again, for our, for our newer listeners, Mimicry is an action card that was both in Call of the Archons and Age of Ascension. And it has an ability. It says, when you play this card, treat it as a copy of an action card in your opponent's discard pile. So I'm thinking a bit about the possibilities that this could offer you. And if your opponent has a Martian Generosity in their discard pile, and they might be feeling quite pretty with a lot of cards in their hand, you can copy that and then play Key Abduction to draw all of these cards into your hand and then forge a key at no extra cost as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's just one of the many, many, many combos that Mimicry gives you the option to do. I think Mimicry is by far one of the strongest cards that Untamed has ever printed, uh, or has ever been printed for Untamed, um, especially with the expansion of AOA, or Age of Ascension, um, simply just because there are so many strong... Um, action cards whether it's stealing card where stealing amber drawing cards wiping the board um you know protecting your own board it's such a versatile card and before i'd say in call of the archons it was it was almost just a card just to pull your opponent's bait and switch or your opponent's too much to protect it was very much um a a way to get around maybe some really potent plays from your opponent um Whereas now it gives you so many other options. Um, even cards like Exhum, which is a discard, gains you uh, one amber and allows you to play any creature from your discard pile straight into play no matter what house it is. Um, which is just an unbelievably good card. Um, no matter you know, what, what deck you're playing, it's just such a strong card. Um, especially in this deck where you have really powerful creatures. Um, even a creature like Helperbot, you can... Mimicry your opponent's exhum to exhum your helper bot to play the helper bot, which then allows you to play any card from any house or any sorry any non logos creature or card sorry. Um, well, that's a that's an amazing workflow of ideas right there, and it's it's that kind of turn that makes Keyforge what it is. I think absolutely, and to more to the point, it's what makes this deck this deck. Um, you know, you you're playing cards which in, in in an order and you know that synergize with one another that you would never normally be able to play. Um, you know, you could mimicry into exhum, into helperbot, into key abduction, which is insane. You've played four houses in one turn, and you've gained potentially, you, and you've gained two amber, and then you've potentially forged the key on top of that. So let's dive a little bit into your Untamed lineup now. So I'm, I'm noting here two Witch of the Wilds, which is a brilliant card. Again, another card that was both in Kota and AOA. This is a four-power creature. It is a witch, one of those fabled burn-the-witch creatures. And it's got an ability that says, during each turn in which Untamed is not your active house, you may play one Untamed card. Wow! That is two of your four house cheating cards. And uh, yep, absolutely, 
how does this change the game for you? This makes Untamed such an efficient house in this deck. Um, a lot of the way Untamed works in Kota is you're drawing all your Untamed and then you're playing it all at once. With Witch of the Wilds, I'm playing an Untamed or two Untamed cards a turn, every single turn, which burns through my deck. It allows me to um, play the turns that I just talked about with Mimicry not on an Untamed turn. You could be playing a Mars turn or a Logos turn and you can still Mimicry. Um, this works most effectively with the card Dusk Witch, another really powerful witch, which is one power, has elusive, and is also an Omega card, which will end your turn once you play it. But on your next turn, will give you the ability to play any creature, and it, when it enters play, it will be ready. Um, so no matter what house you're playing, you can drop Dusk Witch, and next turn you're ready to... Um, you're ready to drop however many cards you want, how many creatures you want, and reap with them, attack with them, do whatever you want. Um, and with the Sutterskin Rocket Boots combo, this works perfectly. And Dusk Witch is, has become infamous in this set. I think yeah. it's fair to say it is the quintessential Burn the Witch card. It is one power, so it's easy to get rid of, but because it has such a massive impact on the game, it is something that your opponent has to respond to quickly. So... With with regards to that, I see two kinds of decks here. I see the ones that want to play Dusk, which is an end in itself, to actually get those creatures ready. And those decks might not be successful because it's a known... But for you, I see, maybe you play this as more of a diversion, something that your opponent yes, has to absolutely. respond to, but is something that you just let them respond to whilst you're setting up for a bigger play. Yeah, so that you kind of hit the nail on the head with that. This is a perfect card that allows you to really distract the opponent. And because it's so important that you kill that Dusk Witch, your opponent can almost waste an entire turn doing that. Um, and if you put it behind two Dominators, it makes it really challenging. Sometimes they will, they will go through both Dominators just to kill the Witch, and suddenly you've cleared the board without having to play a single card or only having to play one card, being Dusk Witch. Um, and you can do that not even on an untamed turn, which is even more amazing. Um, and then they think, you know, just when they think they've cleared it, they're out of the, you know, out of the kind of scariness of what is the Dusk Witch, you can then just play Regrowth the next turn and put it straight down onto the board. Again, not even on an untamed turn, which is just, it's just relentless. And your opponent then looks at it again and does, do I take that out again? Do I waste another turn trying to kill that? Or do I just leave it on for the board? And that's when you suddenly get a, this opportunity to flood the board with full of creatures and do all your good stuff that kind of really puts you ahead in the game. And one more card we'll focus on here is Soldiers to Flowers. And, and Finn, this card seems to be following you around a bit. Is it becoming your signature card? I definitely have at least three or four decks which have it, and it's one of those cards which I don't like getting it, but I can. Al I always end up finding a use for it. It's got beautiful artwork as well, and uh, really sensitively done. It evokes a bit World War One here with the poppies growing in the fields, and um, it's just a stunning piece of art. Its playability is purge each untamed creature from each player's discard pile. For each card purged this way, its owner gains one amber. So in your other deck with less untamed creatures, I imagine this was less potent. But here, where you have a total of six untamed creatures, is this a late game amber rush and then key charge for you? 
Yeah, absolutely. This is this is the card which you really want to hold on till the end of the game, and you're just playing to try and win, to try and get that third key. And as you say, if you have a key charge, that works perfectly. Um, if you don't, it seems like you've got a number of ways of, of getting around that and playing playing different things anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you, you know, you're even able to. You know, if you have at least one witch on one of the, witch of the wilds on your board, you could even play the soldiers of flowers, say during a Mars turn, and then key abduction to try and get that extra key or that last key if you're going for the win. So, so we talked about some really powerful combos here. We've talked about overall a really cohesive strategy in this deck, and it must be great fun to play. But I do notice you've got one organized play loss with this deck. And what kind of decks do you not want to be playing with this deck? What cards do you worry about? Yeah, so, um, yeah, as you said, I had one loss. going. I was going very well with a three-win three streak and then lost that last game for the win. Um, and it was actually a very Mars-heavy um, deck I was playing against. You know, they, had, they had almost an equally strong board to me. Um, and top of that, they were... They were rushing through their deck. They were gaining a lot of amber. And it's a situation where if you aren't able to get your Sutter Skins, um, get your Helper Bots and your Witch of the, Eyes, uh, Witch of the Wilds out, you, know, you can really end up falling behind either in, uh, in the board state or in, um, in kind of the amber control and amber generation aspect of, the, of your deck. Um, and it makes it really hard to clear your opponent's board when they've got such a strong Mars kind of combination of creatures, as you can see with my own deck, with the triple dominators um, and the, with the collector worm as another great card, which allows you to kind of just pick off really key uh, creatures from your opponent's board. Um, and that is effectively what my opponent was doing to me. What I wanted to do to them, they were doing to me. They were preventing me from having a board that was uh, kind of, uh, potent and they were preventing me from being able to draw the cards I needed to then be able to um, uh, I guess control their amber generation um, and it's one of those situations where when you're playing against a really good opponent who also has a really good deck you end up in these situations where you have to be a bit more, be, be a bit more creative you know maybe you have to play your soldiers to flowers purge all of your untamed creatures just to get that second key and then try and rush for the win um, you have to really adapt to try and play in a way which normally you wouldn't want to but because of the type of deck that your opponent playing you really have to and i guess in my situation yeah i hadn't uh i'd only played three three games with this deck so you're still learning how how it really works how you're going to overcome these you know these good players and these difficult decks to navigate and um and ultimately again helps you better understand the deck helps you better understand the game so and and to that regard I do notice with this deck that it does have under average expected amber and uh, it only produces seven amber pips, which isn't unusual for Age of Ascension decks. They produce on average many less amber pips than Call of the Archons because of the nature of their more interdependent card combos that, that, that produce the power of the cards. So... So the cards are less reliant on each card for power. They're more reliant on each other for producing an even more powerful play. Yeah, absolutely. This is this is the combo-iest of combo decks, um, which is something that, as you said, AOA really leans on. Um, 
And I think that that's, that's a really fun aspect of the new set. It is, as we started saying, a grand schemes deck, full of many grand schemes, as it turns out. Absolutely. I think this is um, as close as to an OTK deck that you're ever going to get in Keyforge. <laughs> that's a really good summary of it. So I recognise you've only played four organised play games with this deck, but overall, whether casual or formal, What's the most feel-good win you've had with it? Um, that was definitely in that, that organized play tournament um, where I was able just to get every single combo if I needed. I had both my witches out, got my dust witch out, had my sutter skins, um, had a board which, you know, when you sometimes when you're playing Keyforge and you're halfway through the game and you look at someone's board and you think, I'm never, I'm never going to get through this, I'm never going to... I'm never going to remove these creatures. Um, and that, that's ultimately the, the point where I was at. I had, um, you know, every single creature I needed. I had all Dominators out. I had the Collector Worm out. I had um, both Witches out, or all three Witches out, in fact, with the Sutter Skins. And, um, you know, it was, at that point, it's, you can just see the win. You can see where you're going. And I was able to actually forge two keys in one turn, Key Abduction and with Key Charge. Um, and you can do that again with the Witch of the Wilds and with Helperbot as well if you're playing Logos. And it's just, you know, these crazy plays that you can set up and if your opponent cannot deal with it, just, you know, ultimately just win you the game immediately. So from what we've seen of the upcoming set, how do you think this deck will fare in the New Worlds Collide meta? Obviously, it's going to completely change the game. In honesty, I, I have no idea. Um, just like with every single deck, with uh, you know what, what we experienced with Kota and AOA, with the obviously the new set, you you can't really know until, as you said, you play the cards. You know, once I have a once I have a Worlds Collide deck, I'm sure I will immediately have a better understanding of how my old decks will work. Because um, again, you can read the cards, you can understand what the card does. But until you start to see the combos, until you start to see the inter-house plays, you never really know what you're going to get. And that's why this game is so awesome, because of that kind of level of discovery. I can't wait to actually get my hands on a new set and see how it's going to change the game, how it's going to affect my old decks. Whether there's a deck which currently is awful and doesn't do anything, but with Worlds Collide, it's going to suddenly become really interesting in how it affects the new houses. We've had Age of Ascension out for three months now. I'm certainly discovering new things with it that I hadn't thought of or come across before. New cards I didn't even know existed. And uh, you're right, one of the many benefits of uh, Keyforge. Yeah, absolutely. Another really interesting fact about this deck is I never got a Witch of the Wilds in Kota. Wow. So this is the first time I've actually been able to play with that card, um, which is why I think the, the design of the the sets with kind of bringing in cards from the old set as well as bringing in cards from the new set and in the future obviously creating new houses and those houses interacting with two previous sets is going to be super super interesting and it sounds like brad knew you hadn't had one so he was just kind enough to give you two yeah, absolutely so i think that just about covers it for today firstly thanks to finn for joining us please 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 let us know what you want to see more of and what you want to see less of in future shows. We're just getting started here and we plan to stick around. So let us know, give us your feedback. Uh, really looking forward to that. Let us also know what you think of this deck. 
Is there anything that we didn't think of that you have? Any combos that we're missing out on? So please subscribe on your regular podcast app and you can find us on Facebook, Twitter and discoverkeyforge at gmail.com. Most importantly, if you think a friend would enjoy this podcast, then please help them discover it. Thanks for listening.